0: welcome to chase Oaks. we are so glad that you have joined us this weekend i hope that you are having a phenomenal holiday season merry christmas from our family to yours uh, this weekend we are wrapping up a series based off of love beyond reason and it has a very very simple message and and i want you to hear it loud and clear this weekend god is madly in love with you God is madly in love with you and I don't know what you've heard about God lately I don't know what you've done I don't know what the state of your marriage is I don't know what the state of your career is but in the midst of it all you need to know that God is madly in love with you which can sound somewhat elementary to some but when you begin to compare and contrast God's love to ours, well, it's rather amazing, the radical love of God. Because when it comes to our love, well, there's some fine print to it. Isn't that true? There's some asterisk to it. Our love has what I would like to call terms and conditions. I love you when I love you. If I love you when you buy me shoes, I love you for sure. Yes, I love you if you don't dirty up my car. I love you if you feed me and you give me cookies and dessert. I love you if you get me gifts. I love you if you compliment my outfit. I love you if you promote me. I love you if you recognize my contribution to this family or this organization. I love you when and I love you if that's our Love. It really is performance-based, if we're honest. It's not God's love. God's love is not performance-based. It's not based on what you've done. It's also not based on what you haven't done. Some of us view God's love that goes up and down based off of our performance. If I perhaps give more to church, perhaps if I serve, perhaps if I get baptized, perhaps if I come to church more, or read my Bible more, perhaps God will love me more. And because I haven't done those things, it's like you're on God's waiting list for His love. That's not God's love. No, it hinges on the cross of Jesus Christ. It does not hinge on your most recent performance. God is madly in love with you. And I want to show us that even more through the humble birth of Jesus Christ this weekend. I want us to look at the astonishing humility of Jesus just for us to be able to understand how high, how wide, how deep the love of God extends to us. I want us to begin by getting a biblical picture of what people were expecting in a Messiah when it comes to the birth of Jesus. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Verse 7 says, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The way the Jewish people viewed the reign and rule of King David was David is the mighty king that has defeated Goliath. In fact, if you were to just read Second Samuel chapter eight, uh, the uh, heading that is in the new uh, New English version of the scripture, it just says uh, david 's victories in other words it 's his resume of just victory after victory after victory. He's almost showing off a little bit like this guy is undefeated and God is on his side. And this is a man after God's own heart and under the rule of David. Nobody messed with that. And it was so good under David. They thought, man, we pray that his kingdom would have no end. And so as they were awaiting a Messiah, they were looking for a mighty warrior, a mighty king that could defend them in battle and to defend them from outside threats because they viewed themselves as the underdogs. And so who is going to come and save us and be mighty in battle? And then a baby is born to... A young mom, there scholars debate the age of Joseph. Call him a young couple for this weekend for now. And uh, it, it's interesting because Matthew chapter 2 tells us this, verse 1. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked where is the one who has been born king of the jews we saw his star when it rose and and they've come to worship him when king herod heard this he was disturbed and all jerusalem with him i want us to get a little bit of context of a couple of kingdoms that the birth of jesus were indeed a threat to during this time the first is that of herod often referred to in history as herod the great uh his his dad antipater it was his name imagine that uh he was an advisor to the king of Judea at one at one point and so herod had a front row seat to the political climate of the region and at one point he actually convinces the roman empire to make him The king of Judea. Now, the reason he's called Herod the Great is because he was really great at building buildings. His family was very wealthy. They owned the the spice trade in the area. In fact, they say that his, uh, his economy, his wealth was 100 times greater than the entire GDP of the Judean region. GDP is the monetary value of goods and services in a region. Just, just to give you a context, in Texas, the Texas GDP last year was $1.8 trillion, with a T. Imagine a guy having 100 times that as his net worth. That's Herod. And so what people marveled at with Herod is uh, he would have these massive buildings, these massive Uh, Feats of human engineering that would just blow people's minds and so he knew how to create mountains And so there would be a flatland like there is a lot in texas and all of a sudden Over the course of a couple of years. There would be a mountain He would create a fortress Uh, He created a palace in the desert If you ever get an opportunity to go to israel go look at what's called masada. It was his desert Getaway. He was always paranoid from threats, and so he wanted to have a place that he could go. Literally today, architects cannot figure out how Herod built what he built. The stones, the size—it it, it goes beyond human engineering. The cisterns—they uh, they would say he could create water in deserts. He was Herod. The great Masada was one place and then he also created what is called Herodium uh, think a cowboy stadium for a minute Okay, like like this place was massive and this was at the very beginning of ushering in ushering in Entertainment and Herod was at the beginning of this. So everywhere you looked around it was Herod the great and just Northeast In the shadows of Herodium, you find Bethlehem. And so, you would think that if we're going to compete with a king who has all of this wealth, you would think that we would have a king that comes reigning down with glory, mighty in battle. In the Gospel of Matthew, we, we have two kingdoms on display king number one is what some people call the greatest man to ever walk on roman soil he has wealth he has power he has so much wealth he would make bill gates look like a penny pincher he moves pyramids and makes it look like lego projects this is a guy who is the steve jobs of his era he owns the corner on the market of beauty and innovation uh, spices and oils. These were very rare and very, and perfumes were very rare at the time. And he owned it all. It's what everybody wants in a king. He's got 20 million followers on Instagram. This is a guy that everybody wants to follow. Yet this guy is terribly afraid of a baby being born in Bethlehem. King number two. Humble beginning in a manger with a young couple that has no idea what they're doing. They're barely even married, (laughs) let alone, how in the world could they know how to raise a God? But here they are. The first smell that this baby has is, let's just be honest, is of animal poop. There is ashes from the fire of shepherds, and his announcement comes exactly from them. Shepherds. The lowliest of society. Why in the world would God construct a plan like this? So that the lowest of the low, so that the marginalized, so that the forgotten, so that the undervalued, so that the poor would know that they have a king? And it's interesting. I love what it says in Philippians chapter 2. Verse 5, it says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Then it says in verse 6, Who, being in very nature God. Obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why in the world would he do that? <laughs> he would do that because of you. He would do that because of me. Who in their right mind, who is everything, has everything, would, what the Apostle Paul describes as Make himself nothing. Name somebody in your life who has everything that is consistently trying to make themselves nothing. Who does that? Jesus does that. He laid it all down. He traded places with you and me. It's the most unfair trade. In human history. Kings are supposed to act like Herod. But not this king. This king has astonishing humility. And yet, the Apostle Paul says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Perhaps you've got some people headed to your house right now. Perhaps you're getting ready to head to someone else's house. I, I, I don't know who you're, you're going to be around over the holiday season. But I just have to imagine, for you and for me, whether we're at a Christmas party or opening gifts with our loved ones, I just have to imagine what it would look like beyond gifts for us to have the mindset of Christ towards those people and putting ourselves in a position of saying, hey, we're going to actually empty ourselves and actually make ourselves nothing and walk in humility in how we live and work with the people in our world. Uh, The first question this weekend that I, I think I think we all have to answer is what, what relationship in your life could use the mindset of Christ? What relationship in your life could use the mindset of Christ? Could use a little bit of astonishing humility? Is it a marriage? Is it a parenting relationship? Is it a colleague? Is it a neighbor is it a teacher-student relationship? I, I'll be honest. I, I've got a few people in my life that we, I, I wouldn't say that we have beef, but I would say we just drifted. I don't know about you, but like, there were some people I was friends with, B.C., before COVID, and then after COVID, I don't know what happened. We just stopped talking. I, like, like we just, different life circumstances and and if I'm honest, the story I tell myself in my head about that relationship is that I was right. You know, of course, like what, else, what other option is there? And then I begin to think about, well, the, the story that they have in their head is, is probably pretty similar. And, and so when I answer this weekend's question, one of them, I just I kind of go, man, I actually think there's a few relationships They could use a little bit of this mindset of Christ that isn't trying to be something that is actually going the other direction to go, actually I'm actually trying to go in the direction of making myself nothing in the mindset of Christ in order to leverage what I've been given for other people. I mean, do you ever just think about this for a second? Jesus, sitting on high, in heaven giving all of that up to come be just like you and me to get arthritis to get i mean he just comes down in human form that right there i'm like oh man like i I miss heaven right away like like you just think about like like you probably have some humble people in your life you know I, i i know some humble people i know some humble millionaires you know i know some humble successful people i know some professional athletes that that are humble but but if i'm honest they're they're really good at what they do but they don't walk on water you know like they they're they're not they're not healing the sick like they're not god they're actually very human but to go from god to human wow and again why you me because that's what it costs to be connected to our heavenly father his son had to lay down his life for you and for me and so i have to begin to look around my world and think about the relationships that could use the mindset of christ not a whole lot of drama in the leak household but i will tell you this in in the leak family tree. We got Democrats and we got Republicans. It's true. I hate to break it to you. It it, it is what it is. And as of late, we've all had to have some very, very intentional conversations. And I was having one of those intentional conversations with a family member the other day. And and, uh, he said something that I thought was very profound. He said, it seems like we both have been doing a lot of storytelling without the other one in the room. And I thought, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's actually pretty accurate. What's your relationship? What's the relationship that you think could use a little bit of astonishing humility? The second kingdom I want us to look at is actually found in the Gospel of Luke that was a direct threat or felt threatened by the birth, the humble birth of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. In those days, Caesar Augustus. I encourage you when you get home, look up Caesar Augustus. This guy is rather peculiar, it's a very interesting character. Uh, when his uncle slash father figure, he it was technically his uncle, but he told people it was his dad. When his dad died, uh, about two months later, uh, it was seen that a comet pff, went across the sky. Now look this up. Wikipedia it. Okay, you look this up for yourself. I'm not making this up. They call it Caesar's Comet. When this happened, he convinced everyone that that comet was his father. Ascending to his rightful throne in the heavens. And then he declared himself the son of God. In fact, when you had emperors like Caesar Augustus to sort of round nose, if you will, these people, the people would come up with gospels. Uh, sayings to... Uh, Make a declaration in their name to all people. It was a way of honoring somebody that you loved. And so I'm I'm just going to read to you uh, some of uh, how people understood the gospel of Caesar Augustus. It said, "The, the most divine Caesar we should consider equal to the beginning of all things. For when everything was falling into disorder, intending toward dissolution, he restored it once more and gave the whole world a new aura. Caesar... The common good fortune of all. The beginning of life and vitality. All the cities unanimously adopt the birthday of the divine Caesar as the new beginning of the year. The gospel of Caesar Augustus was what we call today Patromana. It was the age of peace. This is what Jesus was born into. There are coins in literature that refer to Caesar Augustus. As the Lord of Lords, and the King of Kings, and the Prince of Peace. And yes, he too is nervous about a baby born in Bethlehem. And it's interesting. His calling card is, I am the Son of God. And you must bow before me in my empire. And here comes baby Jesus. Now, in case you don't know anything about Jesus, if Jesus had a website, I'm going to read for you what his life verse would be. Here is the branding of Jesus. This is the calling card. If you want to know anything about Jesus, it would be Matthew 20:28, 20, Because he'll tell you why he came. He'll tell you why he was born. He will tell you why he is on the planet at all. He says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve to give his life as a ransom for many. Wait, what? <laughs> you whoa, 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 Listen, kings of kings don't do this. Kings of kings and lords of lords, like, they don't do this serving thing. Like, this is completely an upside-down kingdom this is you you, you're coming to do what in history they would call uh, they would build a difference between uh, right-handed power and left-handed power right-handed power were kingdoms that ruled with an iron fist they wanted to prove how powerful they were through military force their wealth gold silver luxury and then there was left-handed power these people would rule and reign through sacrifice and serving. Caesar Augustus, right handed power. Jesus Christ, left handed power. One rules through control. The other rules through convincing. One rules through intimidation. The other rules through Inspiration. One rules through this is what's in it for me. The other one rules in this is what's in it for you. I am here to serve you. That's our King. He is literally making himself low in every part of his life. And what I know about you and what I know about me is we can be prone to be the kinds of people that live with a deserve complex. This is what I deserve. In other words, this is how I think the world should serve me. This is what I believe the people in my life owe me. This is what I think my job owes me. Do you know how long I've been here? Do you know how much I have sacrificed? Do you know how talented I am? There is something in this world that I deserve. But here's what I have to tell you. Anytime you bring in what you deserve into any relationship, it automatically gets worse. Anytime you bring up, whether out loud, Or internally, this is what they owe me. That relationship always gets worse because we never have good relationships when debt is involved. And I can prove it. Nobody gets paid on Friday and goes, I can't wait to pay bills. I just love the people I owe debt to. Like me and Chase Bank, we're like this. Like nobody says that. Nobody likes their debtor. In fact, I'll never forget one holiday season. Christmas comes, my wife and I had student loans at the time, and one of our student loans was due on the 25th of every month. And I thought, on Christmas, surely they're not going to send a notification. Like, come on now, it's Christmas. And sure enough, one in the afternoon, Christmas Day, you owe us $132. I said, y'all are insensitive. We don't have a good relationship because you keep bringing up my debt. I don't appreciate it. My friends. If we are going to have remarkable relationships, I believe that we are going to have to lay down what we think we deserve. If we're going to have remarkable relationships, you and I are going to have to get rid of this deserve complex. This thing in us that thinks everyone else owes us something. What do they really owe you that your God hasn't already given you? Wouldn't this change how you do every relationship you have? Wouldn't that change your marriage? I have the sinking suspicion this weekend that there are some marriages that are in trouble right now. Because you feel like they owe you something. Ah. Oh, what an amazing time. That we get together. Because you. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you thought you were just checking the box. To come to church this weekend. But what if you left whole? Like, like what, if you, what if you left church. today they just. Like be, but before you rush out. Like what if this weekend you just. What if you just let like, God heal that. What if if the thing that you're desperately trying to squeeze out of everyone else around you, what if you went to God for that? And what if you walked out of here just a little bit different? I said, you know what? There's some things that I think I deserve, but I'm actually laying that down to actually serve God. The people in my life. Uh, Here's what I know about most relationships. Uh, When both parties go into it going, how can I serve the other one? That relationship always gets better. If you're a leader in an organization, think of ways to serve your employees. If you're an employee in an organization, think of ways that you can serve the organization. It's amazing what can happen when both sides are going, how can I serve you? Not I pay you, therefore I deserve. Not I came in early, therefore I deserve. No, no, it's... I want to have the mindset of Jesus Christ. I love what John 15, verse 12 says, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. The second question I want, I want you to answer this weekend is, Is there anything you think you deserve... That you could help someone else get. Is there anything that you think that you deserve. That you could help someone else get. Which is just like Ryan. That's crazy. Do you know how hard I have worked? Do you not know what I deserve? Yeah. I know it's crazy. Who would do that? Jesus. Jesus. And we see his humility from his birth to his young adult years. His young adult years are so humble, we don't even have them on record. He was humble enough to live anonymously for 18 years that we have in the scripture where we get nothing about Jesus. Can you imagine being twenty-five years old and you're God? You imagine being twenty-five and you could turn water into wine. Every party's just a struggle for you, not Jesus. No, he's okay. Being hidden. He's okay in the shadows. You want to know why he was born in the shadows of Herodias. And he's okay with it. Because that's what it costs. That was the price he paid. For you. And for me. So I have to wonder. What it would look like for us to be the kinds of people. That help people get. What we think. We deserve. My prayer for us this Christmas season. Is that when we. See. A baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger. May we remember that that baby traded places with us. He made himself nothing so that you and I could have a relationship with our heavenly father. May we not just drive past nativity scenes in our neighborhood and just say, well, here we are again. Here is the Christmas season. Now, may we pause and truly remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. It's the most unfair trade in human history. And when we see the lights and we see the manger and we see the shepherds and we see the stars and we see these wise men who aren't all that wise, when we see it all, may you know that you are truly loved. Beyond reason. Father, thank you so much for this amazing church. Lord, I pray that this Christmas season, each and every person here today, each and every person watching online, may they truly know that they are loved beyond reason, that there is nothing that they can do to separate themselves from your eternal and everlasting love. Thank you, Lord, for your astonishing humility. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.